I'd like to go ahead and invite you to open your Bible to Ezekiel chapter 14. Ezekiel chapter 14. Uh, we're going to be able to jump into the Word and to explore more of what it has for us today. We've been in this series, right, called Because It Matters. We've addressed things like weed and wine. We've addressed sexuality. Last week we addressed baptism. Um, next week we get to address more within the series. This week it's idolatry. Uh, and we get to talk about the idolatry that was happening uh, for the people, ever since God has called creation into existence, people have struggled with idolatry. Um, and so we get to talk about that today in the context of Ezekiel chapter 14. And I'll tell you a little bit about what's taking place. This is roughly 600 years before Christ came onto the scene in terms of in human flesh. And the people are struggling. In fact, some of the leaders, some of the elders came before the prophet Ezekiel, and they were in the midst of exile. So this is during a Babylonian exile, about a 70-year period, one one of the times. And here they are, and they're struggling, and they're wanting to know and come before Ezekiel and say, hey, when is this going to be over with? But here's the thing. God and Ezekiel knew that they were actually struggling, even in the midst of exile. They were struggling with idolatry. They were struggling with this. And they know God, again, he knows they've been struggling with this. And so God comes, and he, in, in, in short, one way to understand it is God came to Ezekiel and like, you know, I'm going to take care of this. Um, we know that there were already, the people of God were more than aware of the injunctions against idolatry. You can go to places like Deuteronomy chapter 13 and other places where he was very clear about, listen, this is, this is not what you are to do. But what had taken place, even in the midst of exile, the people of God had become soft. Listen to this. They had become soft in their attitude toward God. Now, I know that some of you are probably looking at a clock or a watch, and you're going, man, that guy doesn't have much time um, to preach. We all know I don't mind going over. That's one. Um, But I do want to go ahead and be a little respectful of the time and let you know um, let me just, I want to cut to the chase a bit. If you're a transformed follower of Jesus, anybody in on that? Amen? That means you acknowledge God and you want to give him his rightful place in your life and in your heart no matter what. And he defines what that space is through scripture and through Holy Spirit speaking into your life. And everything else, he goes, it doesn't matter if you have other things in your life and sometimes that's not a bad thing. But they will always be lesser than me. And so don't let anything into that space that that allows anything to have greater priority or greater preference in your life than I do. And the people of God, from the very beginning, we've always had a tendency, and notice there I use the the pronoun we, all of a sudden what we do is we allow other things in our life to start taking and stepping into the space that only God should have. And that's what was taking place. They had become soft in their attitude toward God. And so God steps in, and, and we know even um, Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 through 3, we know what God thinks about idolatry. Exodus chapter 20 is this little thing called what? The Ten Commandments. 1 through 3, it calls out, and he says, Hey, God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. So if anything, right now, 
Even if you don't think you have any idols in your life, there should be lights flashing and going, okay, at least let me examine what type of idols I might have in my life. The big question is, really, God's getting to with the people in Ezekiel 14. He's going to force him to answer, what or who is your God? What or who? Who or what? It doesn't matter. Is your God. What or who is your God? So he's going to force him to examine this. I mean, really, idolatry fits perfect with baptism. Right? Because baptism is saying, you know what? I'm not going to allow anything else to, uh, to identify me in terms of who I really am. I'm not going to let anything else have the place of God in my life, and I am calling him out. That's what baptism is. It's saying I am identified with Jesus, and he will always take precedence, always take primary in my life. And as a result of that, I want to make sure that I, I rid myself, I, I get rid of any other idols that may be in my life. That's what it, that's what it is. And so it fits perfectly with what even the people today are declaring to be truth in their life, their identity. But a, a few quotes for you about idolatry that just really stand out to me. Um, Tim Keller um, was a pastor in New York City, Redeemer Press. He, he now is doing other things with churches. And he says this, he says, If your God ever disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idolized version of yourself. If your God never disagrees with you, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idolized version of yourself. If you don't know how you're currently needing to grow closer to God, God may not be your God. Martin Luther, he says, whatever your heart clings to and confides in, that is really your God. We speak often about default settings here at Chapel Point. What are your default settings? What are those things that you run to in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of hurt, in the midst of pain? What do you turn to first? Is it God? G.K. or Gilbert Keith Chesterton, a great theologian, lived 1870s, the 1940-ish, 1930-ish. He says, for when we cease to worship God, We do not worship nothing. We worship anything. And the leaders, the elders, are coming before Ezekiel. And what is really happening is they're starting to worship anything. They were even coming before him requesting to start building places of worship toward gods of cults and every other type of thing because they started to buy in to the preferences and the emotions and the relationships that they were having. They're like, well, we'll do this as long as it won't take away that much from who our God is. And they kept letting it, they kept stepping further and further in to idolatry. We always talk about one small step, right? They took one small step and then another step and then another step and then another step. And that's what we've done with idols in our lives. We often have softened our own attitude toward idolatry. And God is saying, no. Don't do it. And so here he is, Ezekiel 
chapter 14, verse 1 and following, he says this. He says, then certain of the elders of Israel, leaders, right? And this is in the midst of exile. They came to me and set before me, and the word of the Lord came to me. And this is what the word of the Lord said. Son of man, these men have taken their idols into their hearts and set the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. Should I indeed let myself be consulted by them? Now, he then continues on in this passage and he says, Therefore, I want you to say to them, Thus says the Lord God. And he goes on and he says, Any of the house of Israel who takes his idols into his heart and sets the stumbling block of iniquity before his face and yet comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him as he comes with the multitude of his idols, that I may hold I may lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel who are estranged from me through their idols. And he says, thus says the Lord, repent and turn away from your idols. Repent and turn away from your idols. They had idols within their heart. And the thing is, often um, we do a really good job um, putting on a facade of all types of things in our lives, right? And we do really, really well with that. And he's saying, listen, even though they may be uh, something that are idols of the heart, maybe to you they're secret, I still know of those idols and they're corrupting you and you're softening your attitude toward me and it's leading and then it's serving as a stumbling block to the people around you. And that, I think that's a warning shot over the bow, right? That when you have idols in your heart, that it's actually start, it begins to serve as a stumbling block to other people around us. And so we need to be able to be mature enough to invite that accountability, to evaluate the stumbling blocks that we have in our own lives. He says to the house of Israel, repent, turn away from your idols. Id- idolatry, guys, friends, idolatry is giving greater worth to anything than that which you have given to God. It's a simple way of thinking about it. God never says you can't have things in your life that matter to you, but if they matter, and that's the hard thing, we'll all start to justify the desires of our heart as being lesser to God. That's that, I think we have secret idols often in our lives. The secret idol to me is something that we say, hey, it's not in and amongst itself wrong, but it starts to take such a value and a precedence in our life that it starts to outweigh the value that God has in our life. And so as a result of that, we justify it. Those are those secret idols. Those are the secret idols that we have in our life. And so we have to evaluate those very things. Idolatry is, the giving, is giving greater worth to anything than, than that which you have given to God. Do you desire anything in your life more than you desire God? And you can answer that question by evaluating if you spend time with God. I used to really struggle to jump into Scripture. Years ago, I, it was just that thing. And it was because I think I felt like there was this guilt that I had to jump into Scripture. And, um, 
that if I didn't, I was going to be in trouble. And then I recognized um, how sinful I am and how beautiful God is and all of a sudden the love that he has for me. And, and because of the relationship I began to, to develop and to grow and having with God, all of a sudden scripture was different for me. Right now, as you know, sometimes I'm the, I'm the guy, I can't wait to go to bed so that I can wake up and to open up God's truth because I know it's so rich and it's so amazing and it's an opportunity to explore all that God really has for me in my life. We need to evaluate the idols that we have. Why? Because as the people were discovering Ezekiel chapter 14, idols softened their hearts. That, that's what idols do All, often. Idols soften our hearts, and you can fill in the blank there for you. Idols soften our hearts toward things opposing God while lessening our desire to know God. Listen to this so carefully. Idols, this is what they do. They soften our hearts toward things that oppose God. Well, it's not that bad. While lessening our desire to know God. That's what was happening for the people of God. And so often that's where we are. We will justify our desires all day long and never even take them before God and say, God, is this your desire? Is this what you have for me? And we don't even register that time and time again in Scripture it says, listen, when you start to receive that, uh, those idols into your life, it's actually going to begin to serve as a stumbling block to the people around you. And so here are these guys who had set up idols in their hearts. And just like the leaders that were mentioned in even prior to this, Ezekiel chapter 8, 10 through 16, they were now considered to be idol worshipers. And it wasn't evident outwardly, but inwardly, God knew. God knew. And so here's the word of the Lord coming and speaking to them. And the charge against them, this is according to one theologian, says the charge against the people of God is that they had been infected by their Babylonian environment and the attractions of, it, of its idolatrous religion. Nothing had changed outwardly in their allegiance to the Lord, but they had taken idols into their hearts. They were still putting on a good show, Right For us today, 2019, they were still putting on a good show. Maybe they were showing up at, at church and they were doing the things that they felt like they needed to do. But they had taken idols into their hearts. And so often we're more concerned with keeping an outward appearance of faith intact while never allowing God to transform our heart. Hard question, which one are you more concerned with? Keeping an outward appearance of being faithful or truly allowing God to transform your heart. As you read through this passage, he says this in verse 6. He says, and, and, and I called it out earlier, but I'll just listen to it. More than once, 
He says, therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God. In my house, um, if you're new here, um, majority already know this, I have four kids, right? And I can hear them sometimes um, say, hey, will you help me with the dishes? Or, hey, will you grab, you know, a sibling will look at one of their siblings, right? My son or my daughter will look at one of their siblings and say, hey, can you help with the laundry? Or, hey, can you help with the dishes? And then all of a sudden you hear the voice get louder, why won't you help? And then I hear, dad said... Right? And then the, the kid starts to help. Why? Because I threatened them with a baseball. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> and it's because one voice has greater authority in their life than the other voice. And really what I hear says, thus says the Lord my God. Thus says the Lord my God. And all of a sudden, when you hear the words, thus says the Lord, your ears had better perk up and your feet get ready to move because you need to act on behalf of the Almighty God. And if that doesn't get your attention, nothing is getting your attention. Are you giving voice to the right voice? Or do other things really matter more to you? Do you treat the voice of the Lord like a sibling when you're young and you're like, I'm not going to really help right, right now with the dishes. I don't feel like it. Literally, I mean, I, I heard this was not long ago. Someone said, hey, can, mom and dad, they wanted us to help clean stuff up. Can you help me out? And one of the kids said, hey, no, I'm, I'm doing something right now. And they were at the kitchen table. And then all of a sudden they said, um, yeah, but dad said to. And they got up. They didn't care what they were doing anymore, right? Because it had a certain authority to it. Are you giving the right authority to the voice of the Lord? When he says, thus says the Lord. You shall have no other gods before me. And if it doesn't strike a chord in you, I would argue that we're not giving the right authority to that voice. That we're not acknowledging the rightful place that God is wanting to have in our hearts. And what we've done is we've lessened the value of Yahweh. We've lessened the value of God in our lives. And the soft compromise... The soft compromise of what Yahweh has called us to is often sacrificing the call and the mission of God. The soft compromise of what Yahweh has called us to is often sacrificing the call and the mission of God in our lives. I think about people like Ananias and Sapphira. That's a New Testament example in Acts chapter 5. I think about even in Matthew chapter 19, the rich young ruler. These are examples of people who allowed idolatry, even of the inward sort, right? Outwardly, they look good. Ananias and Sapphira are like, hey, we want to give this to the church. But yet we knew they weren't being fully honest, and so God killed them. (laughs) Outwardly, they were looking good, but God knows inwardly if you have idols of the heart. And it can be money. We always think about money when it comes to idolatry, right? But it can be housing, it can be how many cottages can we have, and it's not wrong to have a cottage, right? But but it's wrong that that has priority or precedence over God. It can be kids, I've mentioned numerous times in my life, I think kids are probably, probably the greatest idol that we have today. 
It can be cars, boats, money, anything that has greater value than God. It can be time, right? You know that time is often an idol. If you want to give your time to some things, but when it comes to God and church, you're always reluctant. Well, that's my time. No, it's not. And so I want to look at this passage in Ezekiel chapter 14 because he starts calling out to them. And he says, thus says, that this is verse 4, thus says the Lord God, any one of the house of Israel who takes his idols into his heart and sets that stumbling block right, says the Lord will answer him as he comes with the multitude of his idols. Why? Because he wants to lay hold of their hearts. And he comes out and he... And he says, you know what? This is what you need to do. I need you. If you have an idol in your heart, no matter what it is, I need you to turn from that, repent from it, and take off toward me. That's what he's telling us in Ezekiel chapter 14. One of the things that we've got to recognize when it comes to idols in our heart, we have to recognize that God is not asking that we slowly examine what they are and maybe just limit how much voice they have in our ear. We're, we need to demolish them. We need to take a baseball bat to them. Now, what, really what, what I wanted to do today is I wanted to have an old junker car out front and I wanted all of you to ride an idol on it and just take a bat to it and beat the snot out of it. Because I want it, and maybe we need to do that anyway. Anybody want to volunteer their car? It doesn't mean you get a new car. I'd be like, I'm in. So many times when it comes to idolatry, and so, listen, even... There are some who aren't willing to do this because they're, they're so concerned with the voice of others. Anything that has greater voice in your life, you can't biblically. Guys, I've, I've had all types of pastors even say biblically baptism is the right thing. And I'm like, okay, well, then why don't you baptize? Well, that's just not what the tradition does. I'm going, what has greater voice? When it comes, the reason money and, and cars and homes and all that is often an idol is because we say, well, it's not bad in and amongst itself. But then we recognize later on, if we're really honest, when it begins to have greater value than God himself, there's an issue with it. There's a problem with it. I tell my wife and my friends all the time, I will always struggle with the right identity with money. I'll always have that tension. And I want it in my life. I want to have that tension. Because I don't want anything to ever have greater value to me than God does. And when I lose that tension, I've probably already begun to lose. And the people of God, they, were, they just softly started to compromise the value of God in their life, and they just kept compromising and kept, com kept compromising over and over. And as a result, by the end of it, God says, you know what? I'm going to punish you. He calls it out. He says, tell them, repent, turn away from your idols, turn away from your faces, from all of your abominations, 
Verse 7 says, For any one of the house of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel who separates himself from me, taking his idols into his heart and putting the stumbling block before anybody else, before his face, and yet comes to a prophet to consult me through him, I, the Lord, will answer him myself. And I will set my face against that man. I will make him a sign and a byword and cut him off from the midst of my people. And you shall know that I am the Lord God. Thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. He's calling it out. Listen, this is really, really what it comes to is we've got to recognize who God is. We have to recognize who God is to us. We have to identify the idols in our lives, and we have to repent of them and rid ourselves. We have to offer our hearts to God and turn away from those idols. Patterns need to be altered. Patterns need to be changed so that our hearts are in tune and in line with what God desires now, I do love Ezekiel chapter 14 at the very end. What we find is that is concluding with the hope that once again, being in a covenant with God, we will be able to walk fully with him. It says that they may be my people and I may be their God, declares the Lord. That He starts calling out, but my hope is this. My hope is that you will surrender those idols so that you will be with me. And there's always that hope in, in God. The question is this. As we conclude today and the team comes back out, the question is, will you recognize the idols in your life and actually do something about it? Will you take the baseball bat to it? Family members, I'm inviting you to go to your family members today and call out at lunch. Hey, guys, do we have any idols? And everybody's going to say, no, we don't have any idols. And then you're going to say, well, then why do these things take precedence over God? I'm inviting you to do that. I'm inviting you to say, what is it that matters more to us than God? Right? I can go into all types of idols, and I'll, I'll start calling out some things, and it doesn't mean that it's automatically an idol. An idol is often something that in and amongst itself is okay. It's a good thing. But then when you begin to elevate its authority in your life, it becomes an idol. That's what it is, right? Sports. Right? How is it that you can show up at baseball games at 8 freaking a.m. in the morning, but you walk in at 9.15 for a 9 o'clock service here? Things just got real, but I got a baseball bat. <laughs> baseball has never saved anybody. Jesus has. I think about so many idols that we have, even with people. There are so many young adults 
that are in relationships today that don't, shouldn't even be in those relationships, but your identity is actually not in Jesus. Your identity is in being with somebody else. And so you stay in unhealthy relationships that aren't God-honoring. That's called idolatry, friends. And what God is saying is, I have so much more for you. And he's not saying... Uh, gently usher anything that has greater value than me to the side to not deal with it today. He, de- he never says that. What he's communicating is this. Destroy it. Annihilate it. Just like I did sin through my son, Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ was put on the cross and nailed to it, and when he was buried, and then when he rose from the dead, he absolutely crushed iniquity. He destroyed sin. And that's what we want to do with idols in our lives because we recognize the beauty and the love of Jesus Christ. Don't be salt toward idolatry. Take a baseball bat to him and declare that Jesus is Lord. God, we come before you. We worship you. We thank you for who you are. God, we know that worshiping any God other than you is worshiping a lesser God. And we desire today to worship a greater God. And his name is Jesus. And so we're willing to examine and identify. God, give us a heart willing to examine and to identify the idols in our lives and to set those things aside. And not only to set them aside, but to demolish them, to take a baseball bat to them, God. Because you are our king. You are our Lord. You are our Savior. Christ's name. Amen. Will you stand? And we're going to close with this. And um, let me go ahead and tell you, um, we're going to sing this song as a benediction. And then as you leave today, to my left right over there, there's a prayer room. We would always love to pray with you. Some of you are going, you know what? I have some idols in my lives. Uh, life, and, and maybe it's the voice of some other people. Maybe some of you need to stick around and be baptized in the next service, right? And some, of, some people are really concerned. You're not going to have time to preach. And I said, oh, I'm going to have time to preach. Come on. We're going to open up Scripture. And so as we close today, will you allow this song to be a prayer of declaring who God is? And as you depart, Pastor Nathan will dismiss you after. Declare that God is your Lord in all that you do and all that you say this week.